And for when you were in your 20s, what kind of stories were you telling yourself? Ooh. Oh, man. I was so full of shit. I still am. Yeah? No, but like, I don't think you're this level. I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, maybe not. You know, different. I believed, you know, I believed that I was unlucky and that I wasn't getting certain breaks because of X, Y, and Z. The truth is, is that I was, you know, locked in a lot of, a lot of um, pain and creating more pain for myself by dating the wrong people, by doing drugs, by drinking heavily, um, by not learning how to make money, by, you know, like I didn't want to do the work that it took. I knew how to be spiritual, but the trouble with spirituality is that it really is, you know, that yin yang symbol where it's like the black and the white and the white and the black. So it's like, I just wanted to do like the white, you know, I didn't want to get with the black or, or the other way around, whatever. I just, I wanted to do one side of it where I looked good, all the things that looked good. And I wasn't willing to look bad. And I, I do believe that success comes from willingness to look really bad. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's actually really, really true about, and those are just a lot of story examples that people can look at in their lives as things that they maybe are telling themselves. I mean, in high school, I used to say that to I'm like, I'm so unlucky. And it was like, actually 100% my fault, you know, a lot of things. And just thinking about what people say repeatedly about themselves, about the way they look, about relationships. I think that happens a lot of times where people are like, why do I keep getting in these, you know, relationships with these guys that are not knowing my worth or not meeting me at a certain place. And it's really more on people than they think, mm -hmm. you know, and a lot of it, it's what's, what's challenging about it is that a lot of it's not our conscious doing. A lot of it is subconscious programming around things that may make it more challenging to figure out what exactly is happening that is attracting something that you don't want. And I think that's where it gets really tricky is like figuring out how to reprogram your subconscious to starting with the conscious part of it and then going to the subconscious to kind of rewire around whatever story you're telling you that's limiting you. Exactly. I also think it's interesting when we take on other people's stories, I guess, whether it's like our parents yep. or even at a certain age, like our friend group, it's kind of easier to take on that like community narrative rather than have your own. Have you ever experienced that? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I was just talking to someone about this. And I mean, my father had, he used to say like, you know, my dad didn't believe in money and he was just like, I don't care about the money, you know. And he, what ended up happening was he had a lot of clients who had money, you know, and he would say, oh, well, like they have so much money and they have so many fucking problems. And like, he had these ideas that like, uh, money equals problems. So I think he kind of kept money from himself as well. And I, I always believed his bullshit, which was that he just didn't care about money, which may actually have been true for him because he was so like woke in his own special. He was a really eccentric guy. So maybe that was true for him. But I took it on when I was older and I said things like, I just repeat, I mimicked him. And I said like, you know, people, I didn't say it with that Russian yeah. accent. <laughs> I was like, who are you? I was like, I want you to. Yeah. <laughs> I was just like, hey, you know, like rich people are fucking evil. It's and part like of the, the vibe with yeah, music and the, what you were doing like fits the vibe of that. Yeah. You want to be struggling yeah. in a way. I think I did. You know, I wanted to be, I didn't though. Like I remember like being in people's million dollar mansions 
and like laying underneath their grand piano, snorting heroin and being like, why isn't this my mansion? And why isn't this my piano? And it's like, motherfucker, like, because you're snorting heroin, like under a piano. Totally. Like, but I just couldn't put the pieces together. You know? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Wow. I love that. Yeah, those little vignettes of like moments. And you kind of going into motherhood, did you have any limiting beliefs as far as being a mother? Like people from the outside see you. I mean, we were like, I don't think I've ever been more excited for someone to become a mother than you. (laughs) But like, but you know what I mean? So like just anything inside of you that was like, oh my God, am I ready for this? Or oh my God, you know, fill in the blank. Yeah, I uh, my mom died when she was 39. I had a baby, this baby, when I was 39. I'm turning 40, which in my mind, like I know that's like this Saturday and forever who is listening, obviously it's not this Saturday, but whatever. Like the point is, is that it's really coming soon. And I just have a part of me that's not quite certain I'm going to make it because my mom died at 39. So I was very scared about becoming a mom because I, I didn't want to leave a child here motherless. And I, I had a lot of beliefs around myself dying. I thought I was going to die during labor. I thought it was, I just really couldn't quite grasp how I was going to make it. And I had a lot of help. Thank God, you know, I have people in my life that support me. And, you know, I turned to them and would say like, I think I'm going to die. And they'd be like, haha, you're not going to die. But I said that probably like hundreds of times during the pregnancy. And then I didn't have, I mean, I have money. I, I make a really good living, but like I... I didn't have the kind of money that I believed was necessary for a person to live the kind of life that I, you know, live. And I'm going to get to this really fun story. So I was just like, okay, I'm, I'm, you know, I just, I believe in the freedom to like hire help and, and go live a big life. And, you know, I had a book coming out and I was like, I have a book coming out. Like, how am I going to do this with a baby? Like, I don't want to be like, you know, hand right. washing underwear while I'm like trying to connect with my PR team. Like I want, <laughs> I wanted like this luxurious life. Right. And so I was like, I was waiting in a way, like I was like, I shouldn't have a kid until I'm like Oprah levels of famous, you know? And then it dawned on me that like, that's probably not how this works. And actually that's a lie that I'm telling myself. That's, and I, so I remember I was at this party and I had, I was really, I was not pregnant yet. I, we were just talking about it. We weren't trying. We were just talking about that soon we would get pregnant in one shot. And so I was like talking about it. And I was like, oh God, I'm not Oprah Levels famous. So I shared that with someone that I'd never met before, like at a party. And they were so horrified for me. Like they were like, oh my God, Piet, like that's, that's so, and they tried to console me. Like they were like, that's so like dark. And I was like, you think you're telling me something I don't know? Like I'm sharing something with you that's obviously not, something that's something that I would want to hide from everyone. I want everyone to think that I'm rich and I'm fucking perfect and that I'm Oprah levels of famous, even though I'm not yet. And Mm. so like for me to say this to you, it means that I'm sharing something with you that has a lot of lava in it. It has a lot of power. And it was weird because I shared it and they did the thing that I thought they would do, which is Mm. try to like console me, which I was just like, you don't, you're not getting what I'm saying here. This is like some real shit. And I walked away feeling so empowered because I was like, all right, all right, cool. Like now that person knows that I'm not Oprah levels of famous, even though like in my mind, that's like the most embarrassing thing. Anyway, the point is, so then I was like, go forward. I remembered that I had this contract with the soul and I was like, I'm going to have this baby. And 
there was a million things that went wrong during the pregnancy too. Like I had a super easy pregnancy, but we found out that she had like a turned foot and we had to give her surgery. She had a surgery. But no way. Like, yeah. Like in so, the womb? No, no. Oh. <laughs> I was like, wow. Oh my God. Like <laughs> so <technology>. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> No, she had one recently, like before oh. I, as a baby. But, um, but yeah, so like I had this whole thing. Anyway, she was born and I'm like, I almost died. Like as soon as she was born, I came home from the hospital and had like this episode where I was vomiting nonstop for seven days. I couldn't keep an ounce. I couldn't keep a sip of Gatorade down. They had to take me back to the ER over and over. I had the doula and my husband circling me 24 hours a day. I was breastfeeding the whole time. I had no oh. calories in my body. I looked like Angelina Jolie. I know, really, really difficult. But like, I was, I honestly prayed for death that week. Like, oh. I've never, like, I looked up to what I call God and I was like, if this is how it is, like, I'm good. Like, you can take me. And I really was certain that I was going to die because I'd never been so sick in my life. And I do believe that came from the belief that yeah. I was going to die yeah. and also a processing of the grief of losing my last daughter oh. and having been cut open in the exact same spot, I think really opened up this like wormhole. Wow. And so then I made it. And of course I made it in like the most biet way. Like we're sitting at the ER and I've been vomiting for seven days straight. I'm on like an IV drip and my husband is sitting next to me having a meltdown, like trying to call for 24-hour nanny surveillance while I'm getting admitted to the hospital because I may die. And all of a sudden I turned to him like RoboCop and I'm like, is that rice? And he was like, yeah, it's basmati rice from the bodega. And I was like, I'm so hungry. <laughs> and he was like, what? He was like, do you want some? And I was like, yeah, I'm so hungry. And he's like, okay. And I like grabbed it from him and started shoveling you're it like in my carbs. mouth. carbs. Hell yeah. <laughs> and your body's like, diet. I gotta die to get carbs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, apparently. Literally. So I was like shoveling it in my mouth. And he's like, slow down, babe. Like you almost died. Like you haven't been able to eat anything in a week. And it just ended. Like in that moment, it just wow. ended. Thank you so much for tuning in to Morning Microdose by Almost 30. We hope you enjoyed waking up. As always, we encourage you to take what resonates and leave the rest. If you enjoyed this trip, tune into the full episode on the Almost 30 podcast. All episode information can be found in the show notes. Make sure to subscribe. And if this becomes a part of your morning routine, be sure to share it with a friend. We have new inspiring doses Monday through Friday. Follow us on Instagram at Morning Microdose and follow Almost 30 at Almost 30 Podcast. Thanks for listening. We'll see you in the vortex.